Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where every week I keep you updated on the latest trends and how-tos in coworking. I owned and operated coworking spaces for eight years and then served as the executive director of the Global Workspace Association for five years. And today I work with hundreds of operators and community managers every month, allowing me to bring you thought-provoking operator case studies and inspirational interviews with industry thought leaders to help you confidently stay on top of what's important and what you can apply to your own role in the co-working industry. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. So what do you think of the new intro? I had a bunch of comments on it in our Academy Slack group. And I had forgotten that I added the new intro. That has been on my to-do list for far too long. If you want to feel better about procrastinating on something, I could admit how long it's been on my to-do list. It needed to be updated. And I kept overcomplicating it in my head, thinking I needed a copywriter. I couldn't pick music. You name it. I had a reason for prolonging that project. And then I started a second podcast with Giovanni Pellavicini. And if you don't know who Giovanni is, or if you haven't listened to our podcast yet, you need to go subscribe. It's called Flex Uncensored. And Giovanni is so like a just let's do it kind of guy. And so his timeline was much different than mine for launching the podcast. So we had to do an intro really quickly. And you know what? We just did it and it was totally fine. We recorded it in one take. Will we update it someday? Probably, but it was fine. And so I realized, okay, if we could do that in, you know, an hour, then I can update mine. So it's updated all fresh and new and some fun new music. So if I took some of you by surprise, hopefully you didn't unsubscribe because you didn't know what you were listening to. Super excited to be here today. What else did I had a whole list of things? I was like, I need to talk about these things. One exciting update, we're getting a puppy. So I have a seven-year-old mini golden doodle named Louie. We had another one who was 10 and we lost him last year. And that was devastating. He was such an important part of our family. So we've been promising my daughter a puppy for a long time now. And it's never a good time to get a puppy, just like it's never a good time to have a kid. There's so much work. So we were resisting and resisting. And all of a sudden it's summer and we are not one of those people who's running off to Europe for the whole summer. I don't know if you have friends who are doing that. I know a lot of people who are spending a lot of time overseas. If you're overseas, I don't know where you're going. Hopefully someplace fabulous. Maybe you're coming here. (laughs) And we just decided, okay, I guess I decided let's do it. So I'm picking her up on Tuesday. Also not a great day to pick up a puppy. Why not the weekend? Because it's the 4th of July weekend here. So I have to get her on Tuesday because we're camping this weekend. So wish me luck. Anybody who has calls with me next week will probably meet her. Her given name is Chulula. We usually do uh, jazz singer names. So we were going to go with Ella. We'll see how that goes. My daughter and I are kind of into Chulula. My husband's been out of town the whole time this has been confirmed. So he has not gotten to weigh in on the name yet. So hopefully he gets back tomorrow and we can discuss. So a couple things before we dive in that are not puppy or intro related. Congrats to our latest certified co-working community manager. 
Kelly C. Hayes from Cowork 591. She just finished her certification. If you are or have a community manager that wants to get certified, you can get more info at everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. And okay, it is July, almost. We are halfway through the year. Is that not crazy? I was just looking at finances and all the things and so crazy halfway through the year. By the way, I just went through all of my software and we're trying to prune our software list. It's a good thing to do in the middle of the year. And um, I prepaid some of the things that had big savings for the whole year. Our software bill is out of control. I'm sure yours is too. And just doing some of the things like we're halfway through the year, doing some planning. What else are we going to accomplish for the rest of the year? And I got to thinking that this would be a good time because our Facebook group and all of our operators are talking about how slow it is during the summer, unless you're in Australia where it's winter. But we have an interview coming up with an Australian in a couple of weeks, and it was winter for her and summer for me. But for those of you, if it's summer, it's getting quiet in your co-working space. And I'm sorry, it's a really hard time of year. If you're a new operator, this is totally normal especially, you know, some places who are still emerging from COVID that compounded with the summer. It's super tricky. People are at home with kids. I have a kid home this week with no camp. It makes me feel like a horribly guilty mom to be at home having her no camp because of course she's on her screen far too much, even though I bought her a kid puppy training book that she's supposed to be reading (laughs) cover to cover this week. So it's a good time to get some projects done. So Here's what I'm being sort of spontaneous about this approach. I want to do support some projects in our Everything Coworking Academy, which we just launched at the beginning of June. We're a month in, but I want to experiment with the format for July and August. And I want our members to, if they want to, opt in to a project for Q3. So it doesn't have to get done right away, but... We want to provide resources, coaching, template, peer support, whatever it is that you need. That's what the Academy is about, is really supporting you in a way that meets you where you are. Pick a project that will have a real impact on your business that you have not yet tackled because you didn't have the momentum to get started, didn't have the time, didn't have the support, whatever it is. Focus on it for about eight weeks. So July, August, we're going to go to the middle of August with this and get coaching and resources from our team and our network of experts. So the first thing that you'll do is decide what you want to work on and schedule a one-on-one kickoff call, which will probably be with me unless it's on a week when I'm out of town with my family. Or you're going to and then you're going to attend your kickoff call, we're going to create a project plan and identify what you're going to work on, the resources and coaching that you need to get that done. We're going to create a little project plan with timelines Not that all of you need this, but I know what it's like to have something on your list that you know you need to get to and you just don't. So sometimes you need to commit to it with somebody else and have them help you make it go faster. I just committed to some coaching for myself, partly for those reasons. Sometimes you need somebody to hash through some things with. And then you're going to schedule a one-on-one check-in so that we can assess your progress kind of in the middle. And we're going to do group coaching calls to help you make progress. This way you'll get to know other operators. A lot of our folks are joining the Academy because they want access to other operators and what they're working on and what's working for them. So this will be one of the ways to do that. And also you're committing to a project that is revenue generating ideally for your business so that you can 
you know, focus on adding meeting room revenue, focus on putting up a virtual mail program. Maybe you need to hire and you need an employee onboarding program. Whatever it is, we, within reason, want to support you. So we have five spots that we can add to the Academy this month. You just have to be an Academy member to participate. So you need to do that. This probably airs July 7th-ish. So when you hear this, got to go register because we're going to cut registration off at some point because you won't have enough time to get the eight weeks in. So probably by about July 10th, we'll close registration for the slots. So you just have to join the Academy. There's no long-term commitment. You can get through these eight weeks as a member and you get access to our content portal. We are not going to do an expert training that month for July or August. And if you join a little late, you're going to miss our group calls, but you'll get in there in order to take part in this program. So to learn more about that, go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash academy. The registration page does not talk about this because this is something I'm testing and decided that I thought it was a great idea. So you will not see these details on that page. I'm not going to update the page because it's too much work. You heard it here. If you have any questions, send us an email, but rewind and listen to the steps. If you need the details again, you can find the registration info at everythingcoworking.com forward slash academy. Okay. Today we are talking about how many flex desks should my coworking space have? This came up in the Facebook group and I recorded a long-winded response because I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm very passionate about this topic because being very candid here, it's hard for me to think of a single example of a co-working space that is not profitable, that isn't suffering from having too much flex space, too many hot desks, flex desks, unassigned desks, whatever it is that you call them. Generally, the reason why we see folks not being profitable, it's really related to how much flex space they have, which is, you know, there are a lot of tangential problems that there might be there. But generally, people have over-assumed how much flex they need and how many times they can oversell it. So they've puffed up their pro forma thinking they can oversell many times and they'll sell quickly. They don't sell quickly generally, and they don't sell that many times generally. There are always exceptions. As a matter of fact, someone popped into the thread on the Facebook group and said, I have an exception, and he's killing it with his flex desks. I keep mentioning Sarah Travers. She was, I think, episode three on the Flex Uncensored podcast. She's killing it on flex desks. But that those are exceptions. And so if you are working on starting a co-working space, then we need to talk about how to think through how much flex you should put in your co-working space and how many times you can sell your flex desks. Okay, let's start with a very important concept. There's a difference between what the math says and what you can sell. And there's probably a better way to word this, but if you do the math, somebody popped into the thread and was like, oh yeah, we have like 90 members and we're only at 5% capacity because they never come in. That is math, right? So totally. The math might be that you could oversell your desks three times, four times, six times if your user base is not using your space very often. So if you sell a 10-day pass and everybody's using the space five days, not 10 days, 
then somebody can use the same desk many times. I'm not going to actually do the math on a spreadsheet, but that's the math that people are doing when they build their pro forma. And I do this all the time with folks in my co-working startup school because we choose our product mix, we build it into the pro forma, and then we see what the pro forma looks like. And if the numbers don't work, then what people tend to do is say, I'll just sell more flex desks and I will sell them faster. But that in reality, it doesn't happen. And so I want you to be successful and I want you to build the products that are going to sell in your market. And that is always very, very specific to your user base, who your ideal client member will be and what your market will support. So while technically you could oversell a desk many times because you have members that only come in a few times a month. And so that desk is really not being used and you could sell it three to, you know, somebody said six times, I think in Facebook group, please don't use that number. Your actual ability from a sales funnel standpoint to sell that seat six times is not going to happen unless you are a superhero or in a very unique market. So Let's talk about supply and demand. Somebody, I can't remember, I saw a post on LinkedIn, worded it very eloquently. This is, it's really about supply and demand. How much demand for flex is there in your market? Or how much can you create? So Sarah Travers at WorkBar has created just a really unique offering. And I would argue she's like creating demand for flex space because she's got a great product and they're great at marketing. And oh, by the way, they've been doing this for like a decade. And so they've gotten really good at it. In general, though, if you're new and many of you are starting spaces in markets where co-working is not very mature yet, you want to figure out how much demand is there for flex and you want to supply you know, a little less than what the demand is because supply and demand, this is a definition I found on, actually I didn't know where I found it on, is the amount of goods and services that are available for people to buy compared to the amount of goods and services that people want to buy. So if less of a product than the public wants is produced, the law of supply and demand says you can charge more for the product. Or to put it more simply, If you have too much flex space and not enough demand, not enough people wanting to buy it, then you're not going to sell it three times or four times or maybe even one time. So it's super, super important. Don't use industry stats. It's so market specific. You have to know what does the demand look like in your own market. So in my co-working startup school, we have a whole workbook on how to choose your product mix how to validate which users will buy and at what price. Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, three behind the scenes secrets to opening a co-working space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour and includes some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a co-working space, I wanna make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner operators. 
It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path so the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. So here's also another super important candid point that I want to make if you are new to starting a co-working space. Flex desks are typically the least expensive membership. So we think they will sell quickly and I'll sell a lot of them. But the reality is that they usually fill up more slowly and they add the least amount of monthly recurring revenue or MRR to your business. So if you're selling a flex desk and it's $200, you have to sell five of them to make add $1,000 of recurring revenue to your business. That may not sound like a lot, but if you think through your sales funnel and how many leads you have to come have come in, I know I kind of work through sales funnel math a lot, but I think it's the only way to drive home the reality of closing leads. So if you have 50% conversion rate, if you close half of the people who walk in the door and you have 10 tours, you're not going to have 10 tours a week, probably, unless you're a really high volume space. If you get 10 tours, which might take you several weeks to get, and you close half of them, you're going to close five of them. And then some percentage of them, you're going to lose every month. And so the ability to close and keep members at the $200 range, it just, you might just be kind of even on that for a long time. You might close some and then lose some and then close some and then lose some. It's really hard to kind of get ahead at a certain point. Once, when you first open, hopefully you're going to kind of, you know, get folks in, but over time, Sometimes that business is just really flat for people and it's very stressful during seasonal periods like the summer, which we're in at the time of this recording, those flex desk members leave like with no regrets. And, you know, you can try to get creative and I've been brainstorming like, okay, how do we get folks to just commit for the long term and not leave for the summer? People will leave, you know, for December because lots of people, you know, just busy over the holidays, et cetera. So the flex desk in and out. It's really hard to build a sustainable, significant business that's going to pay your mortgage on flex desk just because there's such a low price point and you need a very high volume of them. Now, some people can attract a very high volume of them. Work Bar is one of them. They love the 10-day pass, Sarah said on our podcast interview, and they love to oversell those seats. They think most people are only using a co-working space for 10 days a month, which is also true. So I'm not saying have no flex desks. I just want you to be really realistic about what flex desks are going to do for your PL and how many to provide. And that's it. Sorry, getting a little, 
<laughs> died up there. Okay. So again, is it possible to oversell flex desk? Yes, people do it. You might be listening and saying, I do. So for sure, I'm not saying there are no examples of people who oversell their flex desk. If you're overselling them, then what you did is you have too few for the demand and your space is compelling. You're a good marketer. You have a great experience, all the things, right? There's a whole package that goes around selling flex desk. And somebody in the Facebook group, I think the woman who posed the question in the first place said, oh, you have to be a really good marketer to get enough leads to sell something over several times. Absolutely, that is the case. So you're doing a ton of things right, including just getting the supply and demand right. You are also a great marketer. You also have a great experience for your members. Maybe you have great amenities, et cetera, et cetera. So your sales funnel is rocking and rolling, which is not true for a lot of operators, especially when you're just getting started. You're still really figuring that out. So you want to be careful that you're not relying on a sales funnel that is not at its peak performance in order to sell a product that is not adding a lot to your monthly recurring revenue. So if you're starting a new space, here are some things to think about in terms of how many flex desks should you offer? Who are you serving? What do they do for work? Do they need space to make phone calls? I know this seems very basic when I say it out loud, but this is the, I think when operators start spaces, I was one of these people. I had worked in an open plan space and that was normal for me. I'd done it for a long time. And oh, by the way, it's super expensive to build offices. So I go through this process with my startup school students all the time, making trade-offs around the build-out costs and the size of space and, and all the things that go into creating a co-working business from scratch. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper to create a space that doesn't have a lot of walls and electrical and HVAC and all the things that you need to put in an office. So I think that's Oftentimes they're operating from the startup budget versus who am I serving and what do they need from me and what are they going to buy? So today, lots of people are on Zoom, right? It's very rare that we have days, and I keep talking about this, but I think it's super, super important to talk about. It's very rare that we have days when we don't need to take phone calls or Zoom calls. Yes, you can design a space where people can take those calls at their flex desk. You have to be really intentional about that. You have to understand the dynamics of how that works. You have to onboard people really well. You have to have the right culture, all the things. So it is possible that they could do that in open space. But in general, lots of people need to make phone and Zoom calls during the day. So if you provide flex desks, is there access to phone rooms or meeting rooms so that they can easily take those calls? That's one of the things that Sarah Travers talked about they have lots of flex space, but they have also have lots of phone rooms and meeting space. So it's super clear when they give tours, hey, here's where you make your phone calls. They also have, I've talked about this also, a switchboard room where you can just take your Zoom call out loud. So, you know, really creating an environment that is supportive of the flex member. But again, they've been doing this for like a decade. They really understand how to do this. And others of you listening may have gotten this too. And if you have, I want to hear from you. I want to hear how you are rocking flex because I think it would be really helpful for others to hear. So we'd love to share your story. So what do people do for work? You know, can they use a flex desk? Will they only use an office? You have to talk to people and interview and really do your due diligence to understand what they'll buy. If they're not super familiar with co-working, then they might eventually buy it. It will take time. And so when you make your pro forma about what your first year, 18 months looks like, the 
number of flex folks is going to happen really slowly. So you have to account for that. So try to get a sense of what the demand is for flex desks in your market. If there are other spaces open, then go talk to them and don't mystery shop them. Just walk in and say, look, I'm starting a space. What are you selling? And it has to be a space that has flex desks. If you go to a Regis, you're probably not going to find flex desks. If you go to a spaces, that is also, they have flex desks. They have lots of flex space. It's probably empty because they just don't run the kind of vibe where there's a lot of people in their open space. So try to look for a model that's more similar than not to yours and see what are they selling. I was talking to Fiona Mayer from the Thrive Network in Melbourne, Australia. She's going to be on the podcast soon. And she said that she and Brad, they started the Flexible Workspace Association in Australia. And they went to a region where they were just killing it on flex desks. And she said she and Brad like shed a little tear. So look around and see what's selling in your market. If other spaces that look like they mostly serve who you're going to serve, you know, same level of finishes, kind of similar vibe, and they're killing it on flex desks, then your market might really support flex desks. Just make sure you really understand what it is about the flex desk that's selling in those spaces. So shop other spaces locally, but be careful to compare what they offer to what you're going to offer. If they're just a different level than what you're doing, either fancier or more basic, then their ability to sell flex may not apply to you. So you have to kind of take all that into consideration. This is not simple. (laughs) Fiona and I actually talked about that on the podcast. She's like, yeah, I mean, I just thought I could, I was a member in a space and I just thought, well, this looks easy. I'm going to do this on my own. It's very hard to reverse engineer the co-working model because it looks simple, but there's a lot of nuance into what goes into it, right? So if you're one of the first folks in your town and you cannot go to other spaces to see what they're selling, try to find some sister towns. Other towns that are maybe similar in makeup, similar in demographics, you can go, there's a, I think it's data.io. If you search like demographic data, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, it'll pull up like lots of stats about that city. And you can find cities that are similar to yours, find some co-working spaces in those cities, reach out and ask them, what are you selling? What would you do differently if you started your co-working space again? The thing you cannot know when you're looking at another co-working space is, you know, are they good at marketing? Are they good at the sales process? Are they good at, you know, building culture and all the things that it takes to create a successful co-working space? So you can't necessarily say if this, then that, you know, if, if it's working for them, it will work for me. Or if it's not working for them, it won't work for me. There's so many factors that go into it, but you're triangulating here. So you're trying to pull data points that tell you what to create. Do not just make this up. That's what I I worry about people doing that a lot. I think people just produce it in their head and they don't do a lot of triangulation because it takes a lot of time and energy. I totally get it. So in general, it used to be that co-working, like by definition was flex desks, open space, right? Those spaces didn't make money. So now, you know, we see more of a hybrid model where we see offices and flex and the really profitable, bigger spaces are closer to 70% private space, 60% private space. Sarah Travers, the CEO of WorkBar says they are 50-50. So they have team suites, which are also profitable if you can sell them because it's a big room and it's, you know, the HVAC and electrical is not in you know, micro offices, micro offices are like the most expensive thing you can build. 
oftentimes they sell really quickly. So 70-30, which probably to some of you sounds ridiculously office heavy. But again, you want to really assess what your market's going to buy and what you need in order to meet your financial goals. That's super important too. And I always try to be very conscious of that when I work with my startup school students. What are your goals? So if you are new to starting a co-working space, be very, very conservative on your flex desk inventory, unless you validated the demand. Or if you have a unique model. So we have a member of our startup school and he is in a town. I'm not going to give a lot of details. I don't think he would mind. We'll have him on the podcast. He has this super awesome model where they're creating like the entrepreneurial hub for a smaller city. The city has given them space and they have a lot of open space and they're selling like a gym model membership. They have pre-sold some ungodly number of memberships that I think are 50 bucks a month. I think they've sold over a hundred of them and they don't open for a while. So they have this unique model and they have this unique role in the community and they're just doing really well. But they know that they're unique. They knew what they could do and they went after it. So again, there are exceptions to every approach. So if you are new, make sure you're validating. And if you're new, come through our co-working startup school and we will walk you through this whole process step-by-step. If you're an existing operator with too much flex inventory, what do you do? It's hard to fix. I totally get it. It's super hard. And I talk to operators all the time who don't have the right product mix. And if you haven't started a space yet, please know that this is like make or break kind of thing with your, your real, your lease is super critical and your product mix is super critical. And you should not do those things on your own. You should not negotiate your lease without a broker. You should not do your product mix on your own. You should get help and other eyeballs on what you're doing because it is what will make your business model and your ability to be successful. But if it's too late and you're st- stuck with what you have, I've been there. You know, one of the reasons I started the work that I do is because that was me. I took 4,000 feet and it was mostly open space. And I realized very quickly, oh, this isn't going to work. And I had a consulting job and I was writing checks. I took my consulting cash and I paid the contractor to put in more offices. And I doubled the space. We had 4,500 square feet. We went to about 10,000 square feet because the 10,000, the other side, had pre-built offices. And so I needed more private space. That was the only way to make the model work. So I have been there. I have slept through the, how am I going to make this work? Put up more walls. And for some of you, that's not not a possibility. And I totally get that too. So you have to figure out what makes sense. What can I do? Here are some options. You could put up more offices. Depends on the length of your lease, depends on access to construction, resources, permit timings, all sorts of things. So you have to do the ROI on that. You might add more phone rooms in order to make the membership more usable. So maybe it's hard to sell flex desk because you don't have enough places for people to take phone calls. That is not always the case, but if that's you, make the investment and decide soon. Room phone booths, room finances, I think it's really inexpensive financing, like 3%. You can make monthly payments, but they take 12 weeks to come. So that's three months away. If you want to fix that problem with some phone booths, order them today. 
consider making your memberships more flexible. We've talked about that a lot. Maybe if you're selling full-time flex desks and they're just not selling them, if they're not selling, experiment with shorter commitments, 10 days a month kind of thing. Maybe sell combo packages, such as memberships that include some flex desk time, some private office time. You might throw in the towel on flex desks to some extent and focus on meeting room revenue. Fiona and I were talking about that. I'm giving you some spoiler alerts here for our discussion. I loved our conversation. She is doing really well with meeting rooms. And she made the point that, you know, if you sell a a meeting room for a whole day, it's like office revenue for a month. So she goes really hard at SEO and marketing on her meeting rooms. So you might need to just shift your focus and focus more on what's selling or mail memberships to include increase your monthly recurring revenue. Okay, that's it for today. So quick reminder, if you're starting a new space, please come to us and go through the process so you get your product mix right. The Coworking Startup School, you can find it on the website. And if you're interested in our, you know, get a significant project done that is revenue generating for Q3, come join us in the Academy for at least July and August, everythingcoworking.com forward slash Academy. And if you have not checked out the new podcast, Flex Uncensored, wherever you find your podcasts. Okay. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, tell a friend, hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. It makes a huge difference in helping others like you find us. If you'd like to learn more about our education and coaching programs, head over to everythingcoworking.com. We'll see you next week.